this is Shiragam, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Hashishin. I'm excited to bring you episode 13 with Danny, also known as El Daggy from Miami Melts. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon community, which I'm excited to say has grown to 30. So thank each and every one of you. This wouldn't be possible without you. We've received an amazing offer from the kind people at the Garden of Greece, who you may remember from episode two. Shout out to my friends, Kush Kirk and Amanda. They've offered to donate 10 commemorative seats from their garden to anyone who contributes $100 or more to the podcast overall, meaning it doesn't have to be at one time. So if anyone wants to grab genetics from them and help the podcast at the same time, this is your opportunity to do so. I want to take a moment to thank these two folks for leaving written iTunes reviews last month, Macladon and Calirado. And, you know, again, if we can't contribute to our Patreon, you can always contribute by leaving a written review. We really do appreciate you taking the time to do that. And it does help a small podcast like ours. Uh, lastly, I wanted to mention that we'll be creating more content centered around cannabis resin in form of our web series exclusively for our Patreon members. Episode one with the Indian Land Race Exchange is up already. You can follow them on Instagram at Irazing IG. That's I-R-R-A-Z-I-N-I-G. As always, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com backslash the hashish in. That's I-N-N or follow the link on our Instagram bio. Again, thank you for joining us, and we really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the 13th episode of the Hashishin. I'm your host, Shirag Mamir. Today, I want to welcome Danny, a.k.a. El Daggy, from Miami Melts, <laughs> based uh, in Bend, Oregon. Uh, Danny, how's it going, man? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks, dude. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. I know you've been pretty crazy busy lately yeah definitely really busy especially at this time that I have my build out going out and um, you know my personal garden and I've also started a new recreational venture with uh, Highland Provision so I'm definitely balancing a lot of plates right now so but definitely wanted to make time to talk to you I heard the podcast with Cuban it was awesome cool I so. appreciate that man yeah before I forget you can follow him on Instagram at Daggy. that's E-L D-A-G-G-Y. You know, I've always thought it's kind of a cool nickname that you got. I'm curious where that comes from. Well, in Miami, my name, they used to call me Aggie for reasons I won't disclose. But when I came to Washington the first time, there was Lemon Hoko. And um, we would get on this tiny chat. It was like um, it's like tiny URL chat. It was like a bunch of people from the Washington medical scene. Everyone would get on a chat and our Cuban would send me a link so I can like kind of see what everybody was talking about prior to getting over there. And you like introduced me to like kind of like the big heads over there because Lemon Hoko at that time was like pretty much one of the best growers, like at least that was the word on the street. And I tried his product. It was amazing. So we kind of like looked up to him and um, he was offering to like pretty much like get me some product so I wouldn't spend money when I was saving up to get over there and stuff like that. I never took him up on that offer because... He was being nice, you know, and I didn't want to, like, overstep, but he started calling me Miami Aggie. Okay. And then they started just calling me, my first name's Danny. Right. So they called this Daggy, and then it just stuck. But I think my Instagram name in the beginning was The Lab of Dabs. Okay. And then I saw that there was some guy called The Dab Lab, and he had won an award. And I was like, oh, I can't bite this guy, dude. So <laughs> I fucking changed my name, and that was, that was when El Daggy was born. 
All right, cool. What year was that? Just do you remember? Out of curiosity. That was probably either 2013 or 2014. Because I went to, I got to Washington like fall, fall of 2013. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's something I wanted to talk about. You know, I know you mentioned right now, I definitely want to talk about the build out. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your project or, you know, working with Highland uh, Provisional. Yeah, for sure. But since you bring Washington up, you know, that's kind of, we were talking a little earlier and you were telling me about some of kind of your life experience, you know, kind of getting from Miami to Washington. and uh, Yeah, it was, it was definitely a crazy move because in, in Miami, it was like not really a risk taker. You know, I kind of did like, I would sell uh, like little 10 pieces and stuff like that of creepy to my friends. It was it's kind of more of just, we would smoke, like everybody would kind of buy a $10 bag at a time. It was like half a gram. And the dealer would get tired of driving back every fucking like 20, 30 minutes. So he pulled me over. He's like, bro, just buy a half ounce and like serve everyone up, bro. And I don't have to come out here so much. And then I just kind of kept doing that until it got bigger. But I wouldn't go to re-up or like get anything until it was raining. Because we thought if it was raining that, you know, we'd have less chance of being pulled over because who wants to get wet? Right. You know, and like stuff like that. I was definitely like very careful with where I stepped. And when Cuban called me, because we used to work together and we were hacking phones and stuff like that, we would get you off your sprint contract and we would change the um, Android version on your phone if it, you know, if it didn't have an update, we can get the newer update on it. It's working pretty good. And then I started working for a sales company and I got Cuban a job there for a little bit. And like a month in, Cuban comes up to me in the hallway and he's like, bro, I fucking hate this shit. I'm going to go to Seattle and sell weed. I mean, grow weed. And I'm like, dude, I just fucking put face here to get you a job. You're fucking crazy, dude. He's like, bro, I, I'm not happy. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, all right, bro, fine. You know? Just be careful, dude. And I walked away. I'm like, bro, this guy's crazy, dude. Like, you know, like some people just don't get it right, bro. Fuck. He's just, he's, I just got him a job and he's fucking going to, like, whatever, bro. And, um, you know, I stayed talking to him. And because he was, he was still my friend, you know, of course, I respect his decision. Just my thoughts didn't line up with it. And, um, you know, he went to Capitol Hill and he was doing his thing. And um, he just started, like, really grinding. You know, he got into the community. He's made the good connections and, uh, just wasn't scared to work. And he got involved in, in an opportunity with an investor. And one of the people there were kind of messing up. And, you know, he brought it up to me. He's like, hey, we have a house here. Would you be willing to do it? And I was, I just said yes right away. And like, there was really never a question of like, I don't want to leave or this is not what I want to do. Like, you know, usually I, I weigh that out so much, but for this specific decision, it was just not even a question. We just pretty much went through the whole process. I ended up meeting with the um, investor over the phone. We talked it out and, um, you know, he gave the thumbs up. Cuban called me when he gave me the, the heads up and I, I was at my job and I was just, I just went to my boss and like, hey, something just happened, I gotta leave. I just never came back, I left everything <laughs> on my desk, took off, sold everything I owned that um, I was living towards Aventura Beach and um, loaded up my Honda with everything I owned after the sale with my pit bull and kind of just drove straight to Washington. So it was, it was definitely a, a nice venture and, you know, farewell to my friends and my family and just driving to the unknown kind of. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy leap. And I mean, you know, it's funny how like kind of your story and Ozzy's story is like so intertwined, obviously, um, you know, but that took a big leap of faith on your part too, you know, and you know, you and I were talking about earlier how 
you kind of mentioned right now, you were like more calculated or like, you know, not like cautious. super high on taking, yeah, yeah cautious is a good word, you know? Mm-hmm. And what was it that like made you so sure to just do something that a lot of people may consider like kind of a risky move when you were very cautious? It was actually Aussie because um, I've already worked with him with phones and like rooting phones and stuff like that back then wasn't really like knowledge known. It was kind of you had to like search through these forums that people did not know about really too much and, and kind of like download programs from certain people. And but Ozzy was good at that, you know, he would like kind of navigate. He actually made a business out of that. So I already knew he was smart and he kind of just told me something that resonated with me because when I was in Miami, he's like, bro, it's like, we're weed heads, bro. We smoke. It's like, do you plan on stopping smoking anytime in the future? And I'm like, no. It's like, all right, bro. So you're going to spend the rest of your life paying top dollar for mediocre weed. Or you can come out here with me. I already know how to hit two pounds of light. I want to figure out how to do three and not drive myself crazy. So like, let's do this, you know? And then just kind of like, he's right, you know? Like what, what I got waiting for me over here, you know? So it was kind of just been smoking my whole life pretty much not really since I was like 16 but just a lot and I kind of like was always having stuff on me so I was already involved in the scene you right. know so I just was held back by the laws in my state you know and then Ozzy I mean he's offering me that and it's at that time it was um I think it was like 50 50 lights so it was I don't know man I put crystals in a glass jar outside on a full moon and prayed you know, like, I, I wanted it to happen so bad. I just sold everything, sold my 240. My girl left her car here. Like, it was definitely a big move, but I mean, you know, Ozzy took the bigger leap of faith, you know, and he went over there without even a deal. Right. You know, so I saw him progress through that too, and just, it's a good gut feeling to do it, you know, so I just went through with it. Cool, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a crazy experience, like, to go into something that big. You said it's like a 50 lighter, like, yeah, without... I guess any prior knowledge really like maybe hands-on you know yeah all this all this is kind of like possibly a dream possibly real life so you know allegedly i can't really remember but you know just a disclaimer but yeah it was, it's kind of like you know it's it was a big garden i feel like i learned probably what people learn in three years kind of in like four to five months you know just because of the sheer volume you know and it was definitely a lot of work i remember running the rooms at nighttime because we didn't have enough ac and we would intake exhaust, so Aussie didn't believe in green lights, and I kind of don't either, because back then what people would use for green lights were these party light bulbs that are like spray painted green, and like after a while they would like kind of like fade, you know, and you could possibly like nanner out and kind of like herm out a room, like thinking that you have the green light on. So we just did no lights. You respect the girls while they sleep, and you just let them sleep, you know, and you water them in the daytime when they're actually drinking. Right. So you know if. If they're on at inconvenient times, well, too bad, you know, I figure it out. And so going back to this idea that we were talking about earlier, I know obviously you know a lot about growing, have been growing for a while now. Mm-hmm. But for people out there that don't really know about growing a lot, what does the light do when it interrupts like a sleep cycle, for example? So if the plant gets stressed out and flower, because it's definitely a lot more sensitive than veg, you know, vegging a plant, making it nice and big and beautiful is you know, like average to like novice, you can pretty much do that. And stable genetics, you know, they typically don't show too much signs of being like, of nannering out, even sometimes when a light will come on. But in the light cycle, the plant's sleeping. And if you wake it up by giving it that light and it kind of wakes up and it's 
slightly unstable or just it stresses it out. Right. And then the stability of the genetic is pretty much if it's going to throw pollen, which is going to be a male trait, it's going to throw a pollen sack. And um, it's just trying to pretty much, it's thinking it's going to die because it's getting stressed out. So it's, it's natural is to reproduce. So it's trying to nanner out, kind of like throw pollen to keep the genetic going. But we don't want seeds. So you definitely don't want any light leaks. But this can also be done by like excessive salts, like built up in the medium. It can stress the plant out and it can throw pollen sacks. Definitely a light leak. And there's other things. Some plants definitely more stable than others, some genetics. But, you know, I try to rock the more stable stuff. But I've told myself, if I find something that's super terpy and it's unstable, I'd rock it, you know. I'd just rock a whole room of it, be very careful with it. But I feel like I just, I prefer the terps, you know. So if there's something that's super exclusive, exotic, but it's a bitch to grow, like, you know, if I can get some decent, you know, decent value for it, then it's it's worth it. Worth, like, the struggle, essentially, kind of to... To yeah, be able to, have, to have something kind of original. Yeah, exactly. To have something that people are probably not willing to to rock because it doesn't yield as much. But you know, if it makes sense to me, I'll just if the turf has to be there though, it has to be something like super exclusive, super exotic that that like every time someone cracks a jar, if they're dropping their jaw, I'm gonna start considering that. You know, right? So that's what I'm looking for. So you guys were. Allegedly growing the 50 lighter in, in Washington. So it was this, there was somebody there and, and this guy had a just bad karma, I guess, going with him. He'd kind of like fight with uh, everybody, even the investor. And um, when we went in there, dude, it was like we, Cuban kind of like started teaching me. The first day I got there, as soon as we drove, we drove like three or four days uh, and we got to Washington. And like within 20 minutes, he's like, all right, let's go. We have to go water your spot. You're supposed to be here like two hours ago. I was going to take you. But so we, we run and we water. You know, the garden was in bad shape. I really didn't know what I was looking at. But Cuban started teaching me right away. He's like, look, I'm not going to teach you a recipe. I'm going to tell you how to tell when the plant's happy and how to tell like when it needs what it needs. So like we started learning on that tip like right away. And we started learning CalMag deficiencies and uh, we were using general hydroponics at the time. Floronova bloom it was just kind of like a one-part nutrient, which was like pretty easy. So it was kind of like a recipe, but we were able to diagnose a lot of issues and a lot of like analysis was going on in the garden at the time. So we started doing one plant per light at that time to stay within compliance because we were allowed, I believe, like 75 plants at the time for a grandfathered-in medical grow. And one per light is you can definitely get good numbers off it. We would look up to some guy on um, ICMAG called Don Juan. Okay. And uh, this guy was a Cuban guy from Miami, and he would throw in like 18 oh, I lighters. I know, yeah. I yeah, he would throw 18 lighters. Uh, he, I, don't, I don't know if he's Cuban, but he's, he's from Miami or he's been in Miami. And um, he would throw these 18 lighters with one plant per light and just yield two pounds. And Ozzy would tell me, he's like, bro, this guy is yielding two pounds per light. And I'm like, bullshit. And he would show me the picture and my mouth would fall. I'm like, fuck. So we were like on that journey of trying to get that done. And you know, it was, it was a struggle because in the beginning we had one five ton and apparently the garden wouldn't run in the summer. You know, it would just kind of just sit there. So it was convincing the investor that we needed to put new ACs. We installed them all ourselves. They were just like package units. You know, we just would throw them up there and we had that we would have the electrician come out and throw the wire to it but you know, growing up there it was good because we started off with we started off with a lot of tga genetics it was like plush berry 
Green Crack, bro, a lot of mids. It was all mids. It was really bad. And my first crop came down and it was horrible, dude. I think we had the 50K split into two rooms and one of them was a 24. Okay. I think I yielded like 14 pounds out of the 24. It was bad, you know? And um, Cuban was there with, with my other friend and they were like, yo, this is, it's pretty good, bro. It's all right. And I'm there like, dude, in a dark place, just like feeling bad. And like, I'm like, bro, don't lie to me. It's fucking mids, bro. I get weed. I used to get weed in Miami better than this. And, and they kept trying to cheer me up and it was just, oh, bro, I was, I was really upset and we had to move it. And, you know, it was just kind of like, just when you have a bad harvest, it's like a bad three, four months of your life. You know, it's until it's like gone, it's there. So the next one we did again and uh, I got better. The product got better and then, um, but it wasn't, it still wasn't, you know, top notch. And then um, we had this strain called Blackberry Kush, okay. right? And it was given to us by, uh, by some, by, I believe it was Miss Sherry from Washington. And I had one in flower and I had a whole veg ready to fill a whole room of her. Cause we had, we had cuts of them and, and, and we thought we were gonna fill the room. So one of the other guys named Colby comes in and I'm showing him how good I'm growing this fucking, this blackberry kush. And she, it's like, I have it, I have one plant under two lights and I have like 75% of it like spread out and covered, it looks huge. And he's giving these weird faces while looking at it and then looking at me. And then he's like, he's like, oh, I don't see that much, that much trichomes on it. I'm like, no, nah, bro, it's early flower though. Like, you know, I started getting defensive right away, bro. And I was like getting hurt. So he leaves and he goes to Cuban's house and he's like, yo, Danny has this blackberry in his garden. That's not throwing down resin, bro. And he has a whole room ready to fill with it. Like, I don't know what to tell him. I try to tell him, but he's not hearing it. And Cuban's like, fuck, all right. So he comes to my house. And then Cuban starts looking at it. He's like, bro, this shit sucks. And I start fighting Cuban on that shit too. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean, bro? I have a whole room of this shit. Dude, you gave me this shit. Like, like what the fuck? Like, how can you even tell me? Let's at least wait till the end of flower. He's like, he's like, no, 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 no. This shit sucks, bro. We have to do something. We have to do something. And we ended up getting rid of the plants. And somebody on the forum had an order of clones for somebody that just fell out. So we went to... Cuban linked it up. We went over there and I got a whole, pretty much what I needed. And it was Buddha Tahoe, Amnesia Haze, which were kind of mints, and form cut cookies. And those form cut cookies pretty much changed my whole growing career. Like that changed everything. And I just started rocking form cut cookies a lot from there. But that's where Cuban also got the strawberry. And when we got there, it's a funny story. We were, we were trying to get the cuts and Kim was like, all right, so Amnesia Hayes, Butaho, we had a bunch of like, oh, and, and um, it was Purple Urkel, which was really cherry pie. And he had some other stuff there too. And the strawberry was one and he had it a uh, labeled strawberry cough. And he was like, oh, so what's up with the strawberry? And he's like, no, that one's not available. That one's not, you know, for sale. He's like, all right. So I already knew what was going to happen too when we got down. So we go down there and we're going to the garden and we're getting the cuts. And then Cuban sees one there that says strawberry on it. He's like, oh, what's up with that strawberry? 
He's like, yeah, no, I have one here, but it's, you know, it's kind of like not available and stuff. He's like, bro, yeah, that's, that's cool, bro, but you know, your genetics are fire, bro. I love your page, but you know, I kind of came here with the intent to get your genetics and like that strawberry, I really, really want it, dude. And like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be out here. This is like kind of far out and I respect you, bro. And like, but I would really, really love that cut. And it was like 10 minutes of back and forth, but we ended up leaving with the cut, right. you know, and, um, <laughs> and we took it back and, and that, that, is what the strawberry is, which ended up winning awards and kind of, I feel like the genetics are really what supported us. Yeah. Know? So it was, that was, that was an important time, you know? It's funny because, you know, that blackberry kush, it's one of those things like you hear about, it was almost like kind of joked around about after a while, like kind of like a blue dream, you know, back yeah, then or whatever. But that's true. it's funny that kind of like was a turning point, you know, like that blackberry had been good. Might, you might've never gone for those cuts and, Exactly. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I was upset at that time because I got those cuts from Cuban. Right. And then, like, I was like, man, why do we have so many cuts if we haven't, like, tested this shit out? But, bro, blessings come in all sorts of disguises, dude. You know, and if I would have never seen four, I'm like, God, I, like, I, I don't want to see what that life was like, you know. So I'm so thankful for, for just everything. And, and um, yeah, was for them, like, even taking the time to, like, preach to me, like, don't rock this, you know, this is not going to work out, you know, because I, I thought it would get better towards the end, you know, but it, it didn't. It was bad. I was like, towards the end of flower, I'm like, oh, shit, we made the right move. Right. You know? And um, that round of, of form, my CO2 went like ballistic or something. I saw the height read like 2,600 when I tried to keep it below 1,200. So like something happened. But man, I had like the fattest form cookie nugs I've ever seen. They were like hugging the stem, just golf balls. They got really black and and that was actually like just one of the best strains right there. I ended up just rocking the garden. Like probably towards the end, I was rocking like 60% of the garden just form cut. And I really learned how to grow in her like that, you know? Right. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, I was going to ask like, while this is all going on, are you guys making hash? Is it still BHO? I mean, I don't even know. So when we got there, I was told that I was going to be getting like paid to like do work. Cause I was like, how am I going to make money? Cause the arrangement was like there was a debt that would need to be paid off as well as expenses. And then once we started breaking into the green money would start being, you know, allegedly would start being like made. And um, pretty much I didn't have any money. I had bills and I used like I came up to Washington with like five racks and some credit cards that I maxed out on the way. And when I got to all these houses, I probably had like, you know, like 2000 and we were paying off cars and stuff and I didn't have enough time to work a job so I thought I would get money for like helping trim in other gardens and the investors started kind of like getting flaky and like oh I thought he was team player and part of the team and Cuban would have to like fight and like get me my money you know and like kind of be like no it's not like that bro he needs money you know and I didn't want to say anything so I was like I was really agreeable and um, like I kind of just put everything on the line to come up here. I was like not trying to, to like destroy it. So, you know, I was, Cuban wasn't allowing that to happen though. He was like, you know, making sure, but it wasn't enough. So we were like getting rid of pounds of trim. Back then people were just open blasting, yeah. you know? And uh, Cuban was like, bro, like Cuban already knew how to do it, you know? And he, cause he was on the same tip and he just, just started doing that to make money. He's like, he's like, bro, we need to make money. I'm gonna teach you how to do this. And like, let's fucking put it on Craigslist and get it out, you know? And, um, I would fucking work like probably nine, ten hours in the garden, come out at like 4 a.m. 
and Cuban would fucking be doing the same shit at his house. And we'll call him and we'll call it overdrive. He's like, you better go into overdrive right now. And we fucking start blasting right there so we can make sure that when we went to sleep, that it could be purging, you know? And then kind of just like started making um, PHO. It was just really to pay bills and kind of like to have money at that point, bro. I, I always had money in the bank in Miami. And it was like six months I had my girlfriend like just completely supporting me. I was like, the rent was taken care of, but everything else, you know, I had no money. I've never felt like that before, you know, so... I was just trying to get out of that hole. And once we kind of like started stabilizing ourselves a little bit, we started just transitioning to bubble hash. But what really happened was Ozzy tried to get some plush berry, ran into hash by Voodoo. I think he mentioned it on the podcast. And he gets the, the hash back. He's like, bro, I gave this guy some fire material, bro. Look what we got back. And, you know, we didn't know at that time, but... You know, plush berry just doesn't yield, you know, doesn't really produce like the best hash. And Ozzy's like, bro, like that night he went and bought a fucking bubble bag set off Craigslist. And he just like started washing. And I kind of wanted to do bubble hash when I got there because since he was doing BHO, I was like, yo, what's the other form of extraction? He's like, bubble. I'm like, all right, I'll do that. Yeah, I want to do that one. So, you know, he, he, I can stay in my lane. He can do his and stuff like that. But, you know, quickly we went into bubble and thankfully so, bro. We have friends that have blown up and, you know, PHO is kind of intense. Yeah, and and yet it was, I think, a, a lot of people's kind of starting points because there wasn't a lot of information out there in a way. And, you know, a lot of the information was like, I think, online and then people would just try it out. And I mean, it wasn't safe, you know? Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, couldn't fathom putting nugs into water. Right. So it was a lot of trim. Yeah. And, you know, BHO, you can kind of hide that with some, you know, or a good genetic will still put out some blonde, you know, with trim. But with bubble hash, it's a definitely a lot harder to hide trash material, you know. It's quality in, quality out for sure. Yeah, that's one of the unique things about it as well. It's just like it translates and not only translates, but like really condenses what the plants are showing, you know. Yeah, it's, it's bubble hash to me is the best form of because it's unaltered oil when you get to rosin, as far as no solvent has gone through it to strip it, to like change it molecularly or like to alter the chemical composition of it. You've pretty much captured the heads as they were on the plant. And then with heat and pressure, you know, that's, you kind of disturb it like that. But you know, what else is closer? You know, maybe there's something I'm not thinking of, but I mean, terps definitely don't lie. And you know, bubble hash, when dried perfect, like really good, it's, it's super smooth. You know, and we're kind of riding the wave right now. You know, everyone's kind of like on that solventless hype and rightfully so because it's it's the better form in my eyes. Not to say that BHO is bad. I, I don't hate on BHO at all. I've tried a lot of like really good BHOs and BHO is fire. You know, I just make bubble and I like bubble. And, you know, uh, it's kind of what I smoke. And I like to try to put out, you know, similar flavors to what I like to. Right. And um, pretty much that's, that's just it. You know, we've done the BHO thing. It's It's cool and stuff, man. But... Bubble's a little bit more hard work and kind of like a little more skillful. And uh, I like that a little better, you know? Yeah. So when you first started making it, was it weird for you just to throw material in water, like you said? Or was there like enough kind of information out there where like you were like, all right, this will work? Well, Cuban was already washing. And I think when like I started washing, he was like, he had like made his like first couple drops or like his first drop. And I was washing stuff from my garden. Okay. Right. And I was washing like shit, bro. It's like Guju, Afgu, like these weird names, the green crack. And I was getting 
I was just not getting quality stuff. And then Cuban let me run some of his super silver trim, super silver haze trim. And I washed it and it fucking came out fire. And I was like, I mean, fire for back then. I mean, if you go back to the bottom of my Instagram, I leave all those pictures there so people can kind of see like where I started from. Right. And man, the material is bad. I was, I, I was washing shit. But Cuban gave me some super silver and it came out good. And I was just like, all right, cool. So like genetics has a lot to do with this. And that's when I started like to figure that out. But then I probably washed like 20 times before I ever made a drop. Okay. And my first drop was of the form cookies and the amnesia haze, which were of the, of the clones we got, you know? So that's right. kind of what allowed me to make my first drop, to be honest. Because everything I've made prior to that was like just, was just shit, you know? And I was like trying really hard and changing things and it just, it wasn't coming out. I would smoke it and stuff. I, I still enjoyed smoking it. It was like four star, but you know, I wasn't, I was looking at Aussie stuff, you know, and I was like, man, this is, I can't put this out, you know? Right. So it was, it was a form cut amnesia and, you know, that's kind of what like started it. And then um, we just started sourcing genetics. I remember we also met up with, well, first off with, with Cuban, Cuban started like just thriving with the awards, you know, it was just like crazy how he took off. So just being close to him, the people that he met, the offerings he would get. I mean, like, he would even let people know. Like, if they told him, hey, don't don't give it to anyone. And be like, yo, my boy, my boy Danny's going to get it, dude. Like, I'm not going to not give it to him. Like, right. if you don't want me to give it, like, don't give it to me. So he just blessed me with everything that he would get, you know, and, and under the stipulation that I wouldn't give it out, you know, and, and I've never given it out. Like, and that was pretty cool. That's like another thing that I learned that he pretty much didn't teach me because it's hard for me to say no. You know, and like kind of like not give shit to people and like I naturally want to make people happy and like, you know, I'd be down to share it. But, you know, when someone gives you something and you give them your word that you're not going to give it out, you, know, you don't give it out. And if you do, you look like shit, you know. So that was something he taught me. He was like, bro, it's like once you tell somebody that you promise that you're not going to give it out, if they ask you again, they're pretty much asking you to be a piece of shit to the person you promised. You know, so being able to look at it like that, I was like, all right, bro, then yeah, you're right. You know, so. If they never gave it to me, I would have never had it. Respecting, or you know, a lot of people say they don't give shit out, and they'd be giving shit out. So it's got to be on point about it, dude. But he he's blessed me with everything. We've met with Kush for breakfast. You know, he had dropped some cuts on us too at a certain time, and um, you know, dropped some knowledge on me too. You know, majority of everything I know is from Cuban. Majority of all the cuts we have is from Cuban. Some of them are from Exotic Mike. You know, he's definitely like hooked it up too. But you know, genetics are such a big such a big thing that I have some some really good friends out here, like really good friends that have helped me out, like in, in bigger ways than I can ask. And, you know, they ask me for cuts and I, I can't, bro. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I can't do it, you know. So it's, it's just like it is what it is. I'm completely fine with it, you know, and they have to understand it. You know, these are not things to just pass around, you know. Well, and, you know, being kind of like you said, the person who naturally maybe wants to like appease. Yeah. Or, like, you know, be cool about it. It's probably a little harder to say no, but you have to, like you said, like it's. Yeah, it's like when, when Cuban was doing Cuban tech, I was telling him, I was like, bro, you should do this on YouTube and like show everybody and like you'll become so famous, bro. That'd be so cool. And he was like, no, nah, it's, it's I could, uh, I have a different, like I have a different goal for that. Like, you know, and and I was here them like, man, bro, if this guy just put it on YouTube, he'd probably like, like, what is he really going to do? You know, little that I know, he's going to fucking win the most awards in soberness than anybody. 
you know, so I was I was wrong there, you know, and I was just trying to like, you know, maybe my, my mentality was like give to the people or something like that. But that's not where the value was, you know, and thank God he didn't do that, you know, because he did the smarter thing. You know, so sometimes you have to know where to draw the line. It's like everything in moderation. I want to take another opportunity to thank our Patreon community for helping us produce episode 13. We couldn't have done it without you. I also wanted to give an extra shout out to some of our biggest contributors, including Kevin from at Lifted Indina, at Hashmakers Union 73, Kyle from Ohio, the dudes from Mission Melts, the guys from Mile High Melts, and Country Boy Rosin out of California. Thank you guys. We couldn't have done this without you. Now back to the episode. You know, we were talking about earlier the fact that, like, you got to have passion to be in this industry. And it sounds like to be successful in this industry, because there's going to be a lot of failure, like in all other industries. But this one right now is like in such a weird space, especially that there's just constant like change. And yeah, I guess the point of bringing that up is it's kind of a struggle between passion, but then also like needing to have a way to make a living and stability. like have a business sense about it as well. Well, it's, it's like stability in an unstable market, you know, because your next round is never sold. You know, if it fucks up, you're fucked. You know, and if you have bills lined up, then that could be the end of you, you know? So I'm so, I was so used to a paycheck that idea was so like alien to me. What I started doing from the beginning, like once I started making cash, I would put away the whole year worth of bills. Right. And then once I had that tucked away and put them in little envelopes, January, February, March and stash them. Once I had that put away, the biggest weight was off my shoulders. And now if I had five, ten something in my pocket, I could just waste that. You know, it's so much more powerful. I don't have to like deduct bills from that, you know. So that was kind of my way of being able to like, yes, feel stability in this market. But it's it's not really there, you know. And when I got there... Like me, there was times where me and my girl were sleeping on the floor because all we had was the air mattress and the air mattress popped and our back was getting fucked up. So we just laid cushions on the floor and I would work 10, 12 hours in the garden and get to bed at five or six while my girlfriend's getting up to go to work from sleeping on the fucking floor. So it was like, you know, it's that and the pressure of, of not failing, you know, telling everyone in Miami, I'm just coming out here to do that, you know, just kind of fucking... I had no option, dude. You know, it's just kind of like you have to be good at what you do or your product's not going to move. And then you failed. So it was like all that. And on top of that, I was a connoisseur already. Like in Miami, I would buy quarters for, I think, like $140. We would, Back then, we were paying double prices for like medical grade OG Kush. And it was really fire, especially for Miami stuff. But, you know, with the little money I made, I would always spend it on the fire. And I would go gather all my friends. These people would buy, you know, like the local deal, you know, probably like a 0.7 for $10, like whatever they can get. That was like the most weight for the money. Right. And I would buy these like $40 grams, gather all my friends and just spark them up to it, you know, because I just couldn't believe that weed was this good. And I was, I just wanted to show all my friends. Right. And, you know, that kind of drive, you know, wanting to produce that and knowing that that is possible. It's kind of like, all right, this is where I need to be. Because if I have this, I feel like I could just, I'll always be in demand. Right. So, you know, it's just so much hours, tears, blood, everything, you know, like 
change of perspective happening during the process, becoming a different person. It's just, it gets tied into your life, you know, kind of like part of your growth, you know, it's like, you can't remove it from your story, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's like definitely very passionate, you know? Yeah, for sure. It sounds like it, you know, we've spent some time a little bit earlier together this morning and that for sure comes off from you. You know, you're very passionate about what you do. You care. Sometimes we were joking about that. It was like overly care. Yeah, uh, you know, that's just, definitely you know, a tendency of mine. I mean, a lot of people who've worked with me like to say I'm, I'm too truthful for my own good. Like I kind of fuck shit up by making shit sound worse than it is. But it's just kind of this mentality I have of, of giving more than I'm, than I'm paid for, you know? So if there's a question, if something's five star or six star, it's five. You know, six stars reserved for the ultimate, you know, ultimate prime fire. If somebody tells you that they want to buy six star, that's not for you to sell them third wash 90U because it melts six star. That's not you to sell them fourth wash 90U or any of the 40U. Like when they say six star, it's, they don't, a lot of them don't know the difference between microns and they're not trying to leave it up to you to fucking jip them for whatever because they don't know, you know? Like six star means they want fire. They're willing to pay a top dollar for a top quality product, you know? So it's, I don't feel like a lot of people are doing that, you know? And I feel like a lot of people are like, it puddles, you know, it puddles, you know? But they're not like, they're not Q-tipping afterwards and staring at the fucking Q-tips like maniacs and like, you know, like, nah, like, you know, it's kind of something that me and Cuban were doing and just like always trying to push that product to the next level. And he's always going to contests. And we're always seeing like the most fire, you know, product that they had to offer at least there. And when he would like test stuff, you know, for the, um, for cups and stuff, he'd call me over and show me the stuff and we'd fucking smoke some fire. She's like, oh, I think this is Skittles from Brandon. And we smoke so she's like, no, I think this is Skittles from Brandon. And like, we'll go, I was like, nah, this is Skittles. And I was like, oh man, you know, it was, it was great trying all that stuff. And, you know, even before we were even blasting, or doing anything, there was um, somebody we knew, uh, Garage Girl. This guy was an award-winning BHO maker. He was making some fire. I think he, um, it might've been the Purple Punch or like Supernova Cut or something like that, that uh, he had either Pheno Hunter or got, uh, you know, very known for, but he made some good oil. Okay. And um, this was before Form Cut. It was a funny story. He had a cool deal where he would just like, you know, help you run your stuff and then like he would just come back and like make it all easy and give it out to you in like a package and like take care of you and he would do it for Ozzy and it would come out beautiful you know and everything would come out good and um, you know I tried to do it a couple of times with him too and then I didn't have the fire like Ozzy had a couple cuts that he had just got and we weren't able to integrate them into my garden because you know if you have something in flower that's just flipped then you have veg and you probably have clones behind that so before you can move something in it's like takes a little while okay but you know he he agreed to take some of the material because garage girl was a nice guy and uh, he took it and i was supposed to meet him up at the house at all these house at a certain time and he didn't show up and then like or something and then like he shows up and he meets all while i'm not there okay and then i come and like at that point i think he was like giving a cash you know, allegedly. And, you know, like it was easy because at the point you could just kind of drop material and get back, you know, the value of it. So I go there and all these like handing me like a thing of a bag of like oil, of like oil. And I'm like, I'm like, what happened? And he's like, oh, um, 
bro, I said your shit's a Snicklefritz, bro. And I'm like, what? And he's like, he's like, yeah, bro. He says that it was a boo-boo, bro. And I'm like, the Snicklefritz? And man, I was, I was tried and devastated. So like, I didn't like, I, like I shook his hand, you know, and everything. And I didn't like, it's hard to say, like, it wasn't anything personal against him. Right. I felt so bad, you know what I'm saying? But like, it was like more of just like performance base, you know, like I didn't do a good job. And like, I knew it wasn't the flame, right. but man, it like stings to hear, bro. For a gardener, it stings, you know? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like definitely, I think it stings just like with anything, right? Like when you do something and you're proud of it or you hope to be proud of it. And like somebody comes and tells you like, oh, it's, you know, it's not that great or it's like, but at the same time, it's funny that a lot of the people that I've spoken to who have had success in this industry in their own rights, you know, are kind of resilient to that. And like, instead of like letting that keep them down, it like makes them kind of rise up to the occasion. Oh, it, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I prefer somebody tell me what they really think and they hurt, you know, and uh, I grow from it rather than, you know, you lie to me and I, I live in this false sense of reality. But, you know, yeah, it, it lit a fire in me, like, you know, so bad. And like, it's so hard to me explain like how it works, bro. But like, I had nothing personally against the guy, but I was so driven to make a pound of trim so fire. So I could say, nah, bro, I'm gonna keep it and wash it myself. You know, so but, like, it, it, it's it's hard to say, bro. It's, it's, it's like that type of stuff was what drives me. But when it comes down to it, I wouldn't do it. You know, I kind of just use it as fuel. And, you know, I thank him for that, dude. You know, without those type of harsh critics in my life, you know, I, I, I was hard on myself and I wanted to make a good product, but I needed like a little bit of guidance to get there. And those type of things kept me on track. You know, maybe when I was getting a little bit complacent and being like, you know, it's easy for a gardener to feel cocky, you know, once you keep plants healthy for a little while. But, you know, it's, it's those, those are the type of things that have pushed me to have the standards that I have now, which I'm, you know, I respect them so much. You know, so all of that was part of the growth, you know, so I'm I respect everyone that's that's pretty much giving me bad compliments on my weed because it's what's pushed me, you know, and it still pushes me. You know, I don't I don't get a lot of bad compliments on my product now, but, um, you know, I definitely overkill in a lot of aspects. And a lot of that's built on, you know, kind of those building blocks. Yeah. I mean, it's cool that you still have that drive, even with, you know, the success that you've had or like producing good products so where you're not getting a lot of bad feedback. But you still, it's that like self-drivenness of just wanting to be better, you know, or, or be always the best that you can be. Going back to like the first drop you did, at that point, are you Miami Melts or? So I was, I was Miami Melts, yeah, from the first drop. And before that, we had, Cuban was helping me make a brand name and a logo. And we came out with, I was going to be um, Sunshine Melts. And we had like a nice little logo. Okay. I, think, I think Cuban even posted it. See, that's, that was like, you know, that was the good friend Cuban was, bro. Like, he was making some money and he had like a little company, a brand name, and he saw I was trying to get on my feet and he pulled me aside and said, all right, bro, let's, well, you gotta make labels so you can make a drop. Let's put, and he would get on Photoshop and we'd put it together and, and he posted it on his Instagram. And one of the first comments was like, oh, that kind of looks like Moonshine Melts, which I believe is third gen with Brandon. Right. And, I was there, I was like, what? And Cuban was like, nah, bro, don't worry, bro. There's just one guy. Like, you're good. It's just fine. And she just started eating at me. And I was like, nah, bro, what do you mean? I am the sun and he is the moon. Like, <laughs> moonshine's like, nah, man. And then, you know, Miami Melts came up, 
you know? And then, yeah, I was there. It had a different logo. It was pretty much like the seal of Hialeah zoomed in, kind of my hometown back in Miami. Right. And kind of like with some stuff taken out and put in. But that one didn't last super long. But if you have one of those jars, then that's like an artifact, you know? I'll, <laughs> I'll buy it back from you if you still have it, for sure. I'm sure there's still some up there, mm-hmm. you know? It's funny how people like keep or like sometimes it's even like myself I'll I won't remember and then you just happen to be in like a drawer that you haven't been in in a while and it's like something's in there yeah Um, I'm bad at it you know because I guess my mentality is it's it's that I have the genetic and the potential to to like you know recreate it right so you know I'm like if I get rid of it at least somebody's gonna like cherish it more than I am because I just you know I'm gonna make it again I'll be fine you know so you know another thing that I've taken is like you seem like a pretty crafty guy. I mean, both you and Ozzy seem similar in that sense. But like, you know, on that note, this build out that you've been working on, is that for Miami Melts? That's, yeah, that's kind of just like um, pretty much like a personal garden thing. Okay. And what it was is that when the first build out that I went to was what Cuban put me down in and that one was already built out. Like we knocked down some walls and we did some modifications. And prior to that, I've worked five years in restaurants, like uh, P.F. Chang's, Cheesecake Factory, uh, Tequila Ranch uh, in Miami. And I worked in sales after that. And I honestly thought at that time, I'm like, man, I'm like, I never, I want to work in an office, you know, forever, bro. I don't want to work with my hands. Like those people, their hands are all fucked up and their bodies are beat up. Like, you know, I'm stay like dressed nice in the office. That's all I was thinking in Miami in the sales job. So I, I went from that to straight labor and I didn't know much. So, you know, in Washington, I barely knew anything. First time I moved to Oregon, I did my first build in a pole barn. And um, me and my friend uh, that I flew in from Colorado, he helped me. And we pretty much just built, you know, four rooms that were 12 feet tall, 12 feet across so that way we can use one 12 foot two by four as the joist and not have to like join a couple together and then we made them 18 feet long and i just did um pretty much like a dry room two flower rooms and a veg for like a perpetual and i had six lights in each room and the plan was to just i was allowed 12 plants for me and my girl on our medical license and those are 12 plants mature in flower Okay. So you could have like another 24 immature plants and like just pretty much a couple more other plants other than the ones in flower. So I was going to run one per light and um, kind of like offset it. And I actually had the potential to run two per light, but I was actually just running one per light because I had done it before in, in, in Washington. But that build was put together with just one inch insulation boards. Like the, the framing went up and the walls were literally just one inch insulation boards screw to the frame with a screw and a washer to hold it in and then I would HVAC tape all the seams and that was it it was not really like the most ideal but it, it definitely allowed me to get started it definitely like allowed me to get it done but bro it was times that it was an uninsulated barn it'd be negative 14 in the barn and like 80 degrees and I'm like going in and out in and out in and out and it's just snow everywhere when I moved over here it was one of the worst winters but um you know it, I cherished that one because it kind of got me started but it, it's also built this desiring me to never go cheap again for okay. build out okay. and right now I mean I started with a spot that didn't have any concrete it was just kind of like a pole barn we got the concrete poured and uh, we started framing and you know this you have a price in your head of what everything's going to cost and then you have an image of what it looks like with no corners cut and, you know, it's just, 
getting it all done. And I've done a lot of the work myself. I laid all the installation with one of my friends. We both did it ourselves. And I, there were several times that I was in there like 2 a.m. working. We both did the electrical, kind of like learning and doing it, having to cut too much wire, too little wire, but to pay someone $100 an hour to drill holes. I felt like, you know, I'm not going to be able to get certain things I want if I pay for stuff like that. So, if, you know, we did a lot of it ourselves. It was a lot of work in the middle of July, bro. It was hot, really hot, no AC, brutal, like blood boiling in your veins type shit. So humbling, you know, to kind of see how hard other people work in the industry too, you know. It's, it's not easy and it's, it's big deal. But I feel like if I'm going to be involved in this, that I should really kind of know a little bit about everything, you know, of how plumbing works, of how drains are put in concrete, of how drywall, its pros and its cons and how to repair them, you know. So I feel like that's kind of like learning more in my field because if you get called for a consulting job, you know, you can kind of like express how you know how to install HVAC systems and you can do the whole package. You know, so to, to not know it is to have to call a technician when it breaks, which is sketchy as hell. And, and you know, it's just it's just better to know. Yeah. I mean, if you know, like you said, a little bit of everything and at least like kind of what needs to be done, if you do need to source the workout, at least you'll know what they're supposed to do in a way as well. Exactly. You know, and it's just hard, like getting technicians to your house when you don't want nobody to come over. Right. It's, it's very sketchy and... Yeah, it's just better to know how to do it yourself. And it's not that complicated, bro. You know, if, if you can grow some pretty good bud and you can harvest and manage a trim team and, like, you could put in that work, then if you just, like, read up a little bit on it and, like, try, you know, it kind of works out. You know, it's, you fuck, nothing happens right the first time. You know, second time still fucks up. Third time it might work, you know, and then you get better from there. But if, if you just leave it up to technicians and stuff like that, I just feel like it's it's just... It's not efficient, you know, and right. it's not that hard, bro. Like technicians, a guy just like me, you know, he just studied a specific craft, you know. So um, just trying to pretty much, you know, kind of like get it on your own because that's how it, how it is, you know. RCW in Washington, the medical scene was like that. Oregon's kind of like been like that. And, you know, there's a lot of people in rec and there's a lot of people in medical. And, you know, medical is kind of like, in my opinion, the more stable because, you know, that's... I've always wanted a rec job and it was for that. It was like for stability. But in reality, like people are hired and fired in rec all the time, you know, but I hardly hear anybody getting fucked over by medical, you know? So when you involve the suits, you know, stuff gets a little more complex, but back to the build, bro. The build is coming along right now. I kind of like just, you know, went over budget, you know, and kind of just didn't want to cut corners. And even with doing the work myself, it's just rough, dude, because if you have, if you have a garden and you're moving from one spot to another, the plants aren't going to like take that day rest. They need a, a spot to stay at, you know, from one day to another. So you have to build out prior to bringing plants in there. And if you're trying to do it kind of how I was, it's, it's expensive and it takes a while. But, you know, I'm right at the finish line. And, you know, I've kind of just been slightly consumed with the uh, other job in Highland that I'm doing with them and producing solace over there. So pretty much the, the build is kind of like just been stale for a week and it hurts, you know? And we've seen a lot of progress and stuff, but I just got a lot of plates balancing right now and I need to get back to it. It's just hard. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, you brought up that now you're basically also 
doing rec as well. You know, you're doing some rec work. Yeah. Um, is this your first experience with that? Yeah, it is. It is. I've actually, like, going rec was, like, a big thing for me because, you know, I kind of always wanted stability coming from that background of just always having, like, a paycheck and stuff like that. And I felt like rec was my way there. And then, you know, it's kind of like the long-term play. You know, I kind of want to send my roots into the scene and kind of, like, expand. And rec's kind of the only way to do it. So, um, yeah, I've been really wanting to. This is like a, a strong goal, but, you know, I've, I've hit it and it doesn't feel like accomplishment at all. It feels like the battle's just begun. So I'm, I'm thankful for that because that's reality, you know? So, like, it's, it's, it's accomplished, but it's not time to celebrate. Right. That's how I feel about it. So still, like, you know, doing pretty much everything, but hopefully I can pretty much just uh, kind of crush out everything, you know? It's kind of what the plan is. That's cool. And, you know, I want to thank you and Highland Provisionals for showing me around their facilities today. Oh, definitely, bro. That was a cool experience and, like, really interesting to see a facility that, like, like you said about your own, like, no corners cut. So, yeah, it was cool because I got to tour their facility while I was, like, mid-build-out. So, you know, I'm, like, doing all the bells and whistles that I want and I go to these guys. I'm like, I'm like, wow, these guys spent fucking money, dude, like. They did not cut corners. It's dosatrons, big roots, uh, rolling trays, and like everything super clean. Trust core walls, which are PVC paneling, like really good for like sanitation and just good practices and stuff. And I was just like amazed at the build out because I've seen other girls and you can kind of tell where people have like kind of like skimped on like certain things and stuff. And I remember going on their website like prior to like us talking, but like we were kind of like hinting towards maybe something happening. And um, they had like single source on their website. It was like something they were pushing towards. Okay. And single source is a big part of what I, you know, what I do. I've barely ran other people's material ever, you know. So to see somebody in that line already and just, you know, probably had like four or five recreational deals that were like going to go through and then they fell through. Right. And like they always do. And then these people were just ready to work. They had their license. I mean, I, I'm wearing the commercial kitchen and I'm like yo I need somewhere cold to wash and they're trying to figure out they're like what about this walk-in and I'm like now we're talking my game you know like yeah let's do that and you know it's just it's good to see people who you know have the passion at least to put the money up you know they put it on the table and they're ready to go big you know so to get with them and and be able to push out a soulless product across the market that competes with everything else at a decent price range that's kind of my goal you know coming just from Miami and not always having that much money but always wanting to smoke the fire you know I I feel like that's kind of what the consumer is you know everybody kind of wants to smoke or most people want to smoke soulfulness and it's just expensive you know but quality soulfulness is fire so if we bring it at a price point where people can afford you know normally and you know hundred dollar G's are not it you know but yeah, I'm, I don't hate on anybody, bro. Everyone who's getting their money, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to sound like a hater or anything like that, but just long term, I feel like, you know, good price hash is going to sell. Yeah. You know, of quality, at least. And then, you know, once it's able to, like, kind of get scaled up and I think the genetics get worked out more and it'll start becoming more viable, you know? Can you talk a little bit, you know, I don't know what you can necessarily say, but about the setup that you have there, you know, in the walk-in. Yeah, freezer. um... The setup pretty much now, I just have, um, I spin with washers. Okay. You know, so I'm using the, the Bubble Magic washers. And I made a post on them too, because, you know, 
they sell the washers and you, it's known that you have to mod them. You have to change the hosing on them. You know, and, and if you're going to slap, you know, like a Bubble Magic sticker on them, kind of like advertise them for Bubble Hash, I feel like you should probably put some food grade hosing on there, you know, just so if somebody that doesn't know and like not on Instagram, you know, like an older person doesn't just get it and then like wash with it one time, put it away for three months, leave water kind of in the corrugated hosing or like, you know, kind of the way it is because it traps like contaminants and get mold in his next hash and, you know, kind of semi-trusted like you know i don't want to get into it because i don't want to bash anybody but you know pretty much we, we use those washers but we mod them you know to make them at least food safe for the tubing and, and then we're pretty much set up in the walk-in and i have my um you know have rouv sanitized uh, water that i use okay. for like rinsing and you know kind of like other techniques of well i have a ice extract bags i also use bubble bags because i i like that bubble bags are not extended on the mesh you know because ice extract bags they have that extended mesh and while i believe that they have the best quality bag you know like the best quality nylon i like the non-extended because a big thing for me is sanitation right and if a product is easier to clean and i can get it cleaner then i i rather do that because if it's not that clean or like I can't like get in between the flaps of the extended mesh it kind of bothers me you know and I've washed stuff before and I've sat there with a with a kind of like a toothbrush I've had my employees sit there with a toothbrush <laughs> and like go in there and stuff like that so you know I, I use both bags I like both bags you know do you use them together at any point like in combination no what I'll do is I'll have like an ice extract 10 gal set and I'll have a bubble bag 5 gal set and I like the five gal set because I, for the most part, I've like washed for myself, by myself, or I've had like one person help me, but that was like, being from Miami, we don't know a lot of people out here. So it's hard to trust in someone enough to bring them in. But uh, you know, I had to do a lot by myself. And for me, for a five gal set, I can hold that with my hands, you know? 10 gal, I can also hold with my hands, but you know, like when you get to like 50 gals and 20 gals, it's hard for one person to manage. You know, so I do the five gal and it'll just take me a little longer, but I can do it myself at least, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I was going to ask you, like, is that commercially viable in your opinion? Yeah, because like by myself in like a five or six hour day in that little small setup, I can easily run, you know, like three pounds dry weight, you know, converted because we're, we're running whole plant fresh frozen and, um, you know, it's pretty much a pound dry, which is like 448 or 456 or whatever, you, how you want to go to, is pretty much 2250 wet. So it's like pairing that we will lose about 80% of its moisture like during the dry time. So to not confuse, I'll just talk about like dry weight. So yeah. I can be able to run, you know, the equivalent of three pounds dry in a day in a five or six hour period. So, okay. you know, at that ratio of just five days a week, I think it's about like 60 pounds a month. You know, so, I mean, for a small little starting setup build, which can definitely be scaled to be bigger, 60 pounds a month is pretty decent. You know, I mean, man, maybe I'm thinking low numbers, but, you know, I could do that by myself is what I'm saying. Okay. You know, so, and with certain little other techniques that I've, like, created and stuff like that, I could actually do more, you know, but, you know, it's kind of just setting it up because Solvenless has really seen the least amount of innovation out of all, every, like, BHO has gotten CLS machines and growing has gotten newer lights and newer equipment, but we're still hand spinning or still like spinning washers, you know? 
Right. And um, seeing well, Whisper like Tech. Said, and it's not about the product in particular, but like, mm-hmm. it's like you would think at this point, things like the hosing would be pretty standard. When, That's what I'm saying. Right. You know? And so like, yeah, there hasn't been innovation in the sense that like there's not, I think there's going to definitely be things that are going to come along and probably people kind of working on them and there'll be innovations on those innovations and whatever. But, you know, it's interesting that you can still run everything with three machines, right? Yeah. It's, in, it's three at machines. least in that setup there. Yeah. And you can, I mean, you can possibly, I think the equivalent is like, you can actually like run probably the equivalent of two or three washers in like one brute trash can. Okay. And like hand spin that. Right. But I don't think hand spinning is commercially viable. You know, like I can run three washers. I can run five washers. I can run 10 washers. It'll take me longer to pull them all and refill them and do the whole process. Right. But you know, how many times can you hand spin? And are you spinning with the same strength at the beginning of the day that you're spinning at the end of the day? You know, and are you spinning the same consistency that John's spinning or that, you know, Mark or whoever else is there? You know, so, you know, with fan speed controllers, you can control how fast the motor moves. You know, you can really dial it in. I can have a bag like barely spin instead of a washer. So I can get it to spin so slow. I'm like, what's the point? You know, I can I can agitate this less than you can with a paddle. One of the things that I've heard from some of the hash makers that are hand spinning is concerning sanitation. And since you're big on that, you know, what's the proper way to clean those out? So with those, bro, what I it's you have to stay it's practices that really are working and not like any specific product or anything i've obviously used a lot of iso you know running iso through the machines running um, forms of hydrogen peroxide to disinfect and kind of the practices are to like you know cleaning up after you're done is a huge part i mean i tell everyone washing is pretty much like a glorified janitor you know 80 percent of the job is sanitation at least, you know, the way I do it. And, you know, it's constantly using RO, UV sanitized water, cleanest water you can possibly get. Okay. Um, the material that we're using is fresh, freshly frozen, but, you know, definitely not contaminated or anything weird. And that's put in a work bag that's been sanitized also. As soon as we're done, we are taking stuff out and we're taking the machine apart, spraying it down with ISO, hosing it off, leaving it out to dry, having setups in your hose, where you can gravity drain the water and that no water can be trapped into the system. Okay. And kind of like modding that washer where the little crevices and the parts that are hard to clean are like not there, you know? And I was gonna drop a video pretty much once I have everything completely set up because I'm still setting up the spot. Kind of like what you should do to mod the washer. Okay. Just so, I mean, it's I typically don't like to like give out too much information. and. It's not because I'm trying to be greedy with it or anything. I just, I just feel like I've, I've put so much of my life into it. It's hard for me to part with certain things. But, you know, that, if that stops, like, one person or, like, even, like, you know, it's one person from fucking up and making moldy hash or, like, some nasty shit and, like, right. kind of, like, fucking up their respiratory system or, like, just doing some nasty, then it's probably worth it, dude. You know, and it's not, like, a huge thing. It's kind of just, like, you know, what you have to do. You know, to pretty much make that machine washable. Right. You know, so I'll be dropping that so people could probably get like more of a look into it. But it's just like stainless steel ball valves, food grade hosing, and um, you know, really clean sanitation purposes. That's why I I don't care too much because it's it's really about being clean. Right. You know, staying clean as you can. Yeah. No, and I'm sure 
there's a lot of people still using machines. And, you know, like you said, I think that, you know, I've always wondered about like the hand washing viability. You just need like a lot of manpower. And like you said, you know, the consistency is also a thing, interesting thing to kind of think about. Like you said, at the beginning of the day, you will have more energy typically than by the end of the day when you've been doing it, you know, six hours. But yeah, the machines outside of keeping them clean, and like you said, some people would argue like you can maybe hand stir gentler, but if you can get the machines down to as slow as you're saying, you know, that's kind of not a factor. That's what I was seeing. I was like, I can get the machine to spin like lighter than any type of um, hand stir you're going to do because it's, it's a fin that spins at the bottom and it doesn't even touch the material. It just spins the water in a slight vortex and you know, I can have it do like a quarter turn, like barely move. So... I think just by touching it with the paddle, you're already agitating it more than I am. Right. But on top of that, it's just, you know, to get all the hash out of the product, you're gonna have to go in, kind of like hit it up, you know, like kind of like beat up the material with the paddle a little bit. Right. And you know, like that's gonna take kind of, yeah, some of your stamina away, you know? So like it probably will, probably not a big deal, but you know, if, if you are hand stirring, I would just say definitely don't use um, one of those paddles that are meant for like rafting or even one of those wooden panels that are made for like rafting and stuff because those things have, they have like a coating on them to make them slip through the water easily when you like dip them in. And you're kind of dipping a coated paddle into like a solution of kind of like terpenes and, and hash and stuff like that. And if it, I don't know if it wears off and stuff like that. So they got food grade paddles and stuff like that. You right. know, that's probably definitely the better and you know, brute trash cans. You know, it sounds, sounds bad, but, you know, they're actually classified as food grade. Right. So, you know, it's, it's definitely good to use also. But, you know, to each their own. You know, if you, if you like hand stirring and that's for you, bro, then, then all towards it. If you, and that, there's people who make fire, you know. And washing machines are seeing a lot of innovation. Like right now, I've seen Ice Extract come out with something. Whistler yeah. Tech has already just come out with something. So I'm pretty sure it's going to start exploding really soon is what I think, you know. Yeah, I think it's solventless or... Yeah, the whole thing just becomes more and more viable. That'll keep growing, and then innovation will grow with that, hopefully, you know. So we'll see. I know we've been chilling out for a while, and we don't have a lot of time. There's a ton of things that I'd like to talk to you about, but I'm just going to, you know, kind of pick a few things all over the place to talk about, you know, Go before ahead, we're done. You did a post, which I told you was kind of funny, like nobody's ever done that, that you were going to be on the podcast and had some of your followers write in and you were posting some of the questions that they were asking. This was something that I wanted to ask you about, but I thought it was a good question because of your kind of background, but it was the question organic versus salt growing and your take on that. Yeah, that's, that's always a big subject in everyone. And, you know, it's, it's a hard subject too because, um, like, I haven't really been able to grow myself in like living beds you know my take on it is is you know if you're gonna go organic to go you know full line organic and kind of like have living beds uh and if you're gonna go synthetic to kind of just like run a full synthetic lineup and kind of like stay on that because mixing them at least for me i don't have like the best results because in a sterile system that you're running synthetics you know there's very few microbes and bacteria are actually like strong enough to survive those environments okay so you know it's i feel like if you're going synthetic you probably want to stay sterile and um, you know that's that's the path i chose because 
I've also heard from other people. I haven't had the personal experience, you know, but, you know, when using organics with hash versus synthetics, pretty much they would say that the melt would be slightly better on the synthetic end. And, you know, the turp would kind of be more stronger on the organic. And that's kind of like what I've heard and it's kind of like slash experienced. But in reality, bro, it's, it's, it's a hard question because it's hard for me to speak on something I haven't done, right. you know. But I personally feel like with the synthetic nudes, it's kind of like you're giving the plant an exact ratio of what it needs, right? Where in organic gardening, you're pretty much... You're kind of like assuming how long it would take for specific bacteria or enzymes to break down certain molecules small enough so the plant can uptake them. And then you're hoping that you put gave enough and that it ends at a certain time and you can flush and kind of like get that out. And then, you know, just all the other amendments as far as guano and like, you know, other compost and stuff like that. Like, you know, I've tried like I've, I've brewed teas here and there and stuff like that. I used to do a cocoa regimen and pretty much like once a week I would feed a tea. But that's just nasty, bro. It's like, it's like shit, you know? So like, I don't want that stuff around my hash. Like my, my rooms are super clean. I try to keep everything as clean as possible. I don't want like some weird smelling shit in there. And I kind of like don't want predator mites either or like anything like that. Cause in my head, you know, there's carcasses. They'd probably die. They'd probably poop on the bud. They probably like, they live on it, you know? And like, who's to say they're going to leave when I want to chop my room at my certain day and bring it down, you know? Like, who's to say if they're there or not, you know? So I feel like all that's nastier than, you know, just kind of like running a clean, sterile system, you know, especially with products like Veg Bloom out there. And like, you know, I mean, they have like barely any arsenic, like no heavy metals. Organics definitely have a lot of heavy metals, but, you know, I, I don't think we know a lot on that subject, you know, to really like pick one or the other. So it's, it's hard to even like mention like something like a, a pro that one might have over the other because organic shit, I've definitely, you know, have definitely tasted like strong terps from all, like a lot of good organic products. You and know, I mean, this is a, obviously my uneducated kind of guess, but that probably has more to do with the sun and the light spectrum that these you know, things are getting. There's a lot of factors and a lot of the people that I've met that would grow and like have won awards, like Mike from, from Exotic, we won 2014 first place with flowers. And man, that, that to me was like a hard award. Like if you could win first place flowers in high times, that's fucking like competition stiff. And, and Mike won with uh, cookies and cream. So I thought he was the best grower ever. I was just like, this guy's the best. There's no one better. So. You know, he was using, I think, either it was either housing garden or botanic care. And all the people that were winning, like, awards, like, in their field with stuff, like, were using, like, you know, like, salts, you know? And I was like, man, like, everyone's making fire with salts, right. you know? So I, I kind of just, like, mimicked, you know? And maybe one day I've definitely been wanting to try organic, but I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to, like, pussyfoot into it. I would like to do it the right way with the living soil and I don't know enough about it at this time. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's, a, you know, everybody has their own philosophy. And, you know, I talked to Ogre Farms recently and uh, Danny from there was telling me, he's like, you know, if somebody, the plants are still eating with salt. I mean, organics or like you call it. Synthetic. Synthetic. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, they're still consuming salts. It's just like, but it's also, he's like, you know, a successful grower it doesn't matter necessarily like the medium, mm -hmm. but that you still have to have like this understanding and like 
almost intuitive thing as to what the plants need and like yeah. how to give it to them and when to give it to them and definitely none of the of, of like the, unless you're using like a full lineup of like all the products and even when then like you still have to moderate kind of like some you know and like some products say that, that you don't need CalMag even if you rock them in cocoa and a lot of that's bullshit you know like you kind of need to add CalMag a lot of the times so it's you kind of have to know what you what you're looking for or what the plant's looking for at that time you know yeah kind of going in a different direction you know you said earlier that you're a very like truthful person and sometimes people tell you you're too truthful yeah i've been told that for sure <laughs> how does that translate into the rec environment now that you're in, on this venture and is that gonna be something that you feel like well you'll grow in or change in or well, I was fearful of like feeling like I was going to lose the fucking, the passion as soon as I joined REC. But luckily, since I got with a team that I feel like was aligned with kind of like what I saw, and they've been so welcoming too, that I haven't felt that yet. And, you know, I'll, I'll, we're going to see, I guess, if how, how far the, the thing goes, because it's kind of just, I can't really help it, you know? And uh, I feel like I used to beat around the bush a lot, you know? And then it wasn't very effective. So I had like, taught myself a trick where if I wanted to say something and I like kind of like didn't want to say it I like would like look at us like look somewhere else and just say it and then I'll throw myself into the flames and then once I'm done with there I'm just stuck there and I kind of said what I really wanted to say and, and I got to deal with it so like I don't know if it's going to help me or not but you know I guess we'll see but the group I'm with bro it, it, it looks like we're heading to the top and I'm really excited to work with them so I don't I don't I don't know, bro. It's a hard question, you know, because I've thought about that. I take L's all the time in, like, you know, how I do it now. If there's something not to my standards or my quality, I just, I just won't put it out, you know, and I'll just take the financial L and I'll just be like, that, this is not what I want, you know. So if, as long as I can, as long as it's something, you know, as long as I can keep that type of passion, it doesn't get to a point where we're just pushing out product to push out product. You know, then, you know, I'd, I'd probably be fine, but I can't really just push out low quality product because that's, it's not like really aligned with, with what I want to do. And if that's the case, then, you know, maybe something like that could possibly affect me. But, you know, that's, I guess that's how the truthful part of me could probably like cripple me because, you know, you have to really have passion in it to put up with it. Cause I'm not, I'm not willing to go into this rat race to push out mids, you know, like this thing takes everything out of me. Takes all my time, like my relationships with people get hindered. I don't have that much time to hang out with friends or do anything sometimes, dude. So I'm not trying to do that to fucking get money and not feel purpose at the end of it, you know? Because that, that only goes so far. So like, this, you know, like I said, like right now I could be making more money doing less work, but I feel like the batter that I've been putting out is kind of more of a final product and something that people want to smoke more, you know? So I'll literally like put an extra 20 hours in and spend extra money and I won't even raise the prices or anything like that, you know? So it's just like when you do stuff out of passion, it's not really about like logistics as, as far as like financials or like, you know, how it adds up financially. So I had to express that to these people. I'm like, don't follow my business plans because they could be shit. Right. <laughs> I just do it because that's how I feel like doing it, you know, but you know, it possibly doesn't work. There's possibly smarter ways to go about it, you know, but, um, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of where I have to like learn how to 
I don't know, transfer over or cover what's going to happen, but it's, it's going to be a rat race, bro. I just, I just know if, if I put out quality, there's always a market for people who want quality hash. You know, it's, I'd rather make less money selling higher quality product than to kind of like stoop down to just anything that comes in, you know? Right. I agree. I think there is always a market for quality. Yeah, definitely. You know, that brings up kind of an interesting point and amongst all the things I want to ask you. Sure. I almost don't want to talk about it, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing that it's come up for you and I don't see, I haven't seen it come up for a lot of people. I've seen it for some people, but it's like that you put in this amount of work and like you're so concerned about the product you're putting out and it's it's just all about the love that you have for it and then someone comes along and puts out a counterfeit mill. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like always a fear, you know, like that they take your name and, and use it to better themselves and just kind of like throw your shit in the dirt. And, you know, for for someone who's put it, you know, came over here and like kind of like everything, like the stars aligned, you know, like everything happened right, you know, and it wasn't without a ton of hard work. But like, it's, I feel like like I won as far as being like able to be in a, a field that I'm passionate about and be good at it. So for someone to, yeah, I get really defensive about it. You know, I just you know, lawyered up really hard for this contract. He did a good job making sure, you know, I was protected. And of course there was um, understanding that them as a company need protection as well. So there's a middle ground, you know, but we definitely staged it up to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm out, I'm part of the team pretty much, but at the same time, it's not, I don't know how to explain it, <laughs> but pretty much I'm with Highland right now, but it's not to the point where I'm like married to them and we're kind of testing this out as a trial run. I don't think that it's going to go bad or anything, but you know, I fear it too much to like not give it a test run and kind of like see which ways or things are going. And I would have to maintain certain control of certain aspects just to even feel comfortable doing it. So it's really hard, bro. Like scoring a rec deal for a hash maker, man, is, is it's a really hard thing and to put a deal together that actually makes sense and with the people who have invested millions of dollars to get to the point where they are right now, you know, it's, it's hard. It's emotional too, you know? So it's, I've been through several of them already. I've kind of like learned not to get emotional about it, know what you're looking for before you get into there and, you know, negotiate on your terms and also understand that majority of people have put in so much like whatever you're looking at in that conference room or wherever you're at, there's a lot more that went into it. And they put blood, sweat, and tears into their process also, you know? Right. Yeah. On a really kind of different note, you mentioned the crippy earlier. Yeah. And that's what I've heard from a few people from Miami. And I've heard the term and, the, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Like, what was it? What do you think it was? Um, and why was it so popular in Miami? Crippy, because uh, crippy at first, bro, was kind of just like a, a general slang for like really fire. because like crippy and chronic. But there was a strain called like specifically crippy. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you remember when cookies like came out. Everyone had cookies, you know? And then like when, like crippy is technically apparently Gainesville Greens. I think this is like down from Swamp Boys and stuff like that. It was real cool people. I'm probably wrong on that, so definitely don't quote me. But Gainesville Greens, I believe, was uh, what they classified Crippy as. But we we would use it as kind of like a general term. Like, what's up? You got some Crippy? Right, right. You know, and um, it was just meant like Firebud. And yeah, Crippy was definitely a big name in Miami. I actually almost named my um, 
my company, the Crippy. Really? Yeah, when we were making flowers in Washington, it was going to be like a flower garden called the Crippy, but I never, I never moved forward on that. Right. And so it, yeah, it's just was more like of a general term. Yeah, I mean that's at least how that was good. At least that's how at least my circle used it. Right. You know, maybe those are some other people who were actually getting real creepy. <laughs> you know, when they said creepy, it meant that. But you know, we would get some some good work in Miami, but it was more of like. You know, there was a cheese, which I now learned is actually like some pretty good master kush. That's what it used to be. And um, sour and stuff like that in Miami. But, you know, to us it was all creepy, yeah. you know, and you don't never really know. Like, that's just what they call it. But you never really know in Miami if that's what you're getting or not. You know, it's kind of like a mystery. Right. Yeah. Nowadays, when you make cash, it looks like most of it is going to rosin. Is that... It's a good question, bro. So, yeah, man, what I started doing was I used to separate my first wash, my first wash 90 and my second wash 90, and I used to kind of, like, kick that as my A-grade six-star, and then the rest would go into rosin grade, okay. right? And I was smoking rosin for a while, and I'm like, bro, people don't want a Q-tip ash out of a banger. Like, even the finest six-star, like, leaves little tiny things, and, and rosin is just straight oil. You know, so, I mean, like, people are buying $200 bangers, and, like, who really wants a Q-tip fucking, like, heads out that stuff? And on top of that, it's just, hash is kind of, like, not convenient, like, six-star. Like, if it's really greasy and stuff, like, you can get to it and stuff like that, but to press it out of the parchment, and, you like, you either need a finger press it or hair iron, you know, if you're, like, at the beach trying to take a dab or at an event, you know, it's, it's like a little task, you know, and I don't mind it, you know, I, I'll smoke six-star every now and then, but... You know, I feel like if you put the right ratio of microns and you include the first wash 90 and the second, I feel like a lot of people are pressing rosin and they're taking that out, selling the six star, kind of, you know, how it was back in the day and pushing the rest. But I feel like when you do that, people get confused. You're like, what's better, first wash 120 or first wash 90? And then it's not really an answer. I like 90. Some people like 120, and you know? Sometimes I'm supposed to, I guess it depends on genetics as well like, absolutely you know so like to be able to answer that question is there's like a lot of factors and it's hard so i don't like getting that question you know and i feel like at the end of the day the people just want to smoke something fire something fire and cost effective you know so if i feel like if i put all my fire shit together and i press it into a rosin and i come up with one final product that's good i feel like that just makes it easy and then it's the batter consistency is super easy to work with on top of that so it's it's you know it's kind of just how I enjoy smoking my rosin, at least. You okay, know? and and yeah, so you're a big kind of fan of the the cold, I, I guess cure, like cold or but and that's turning it into this cold cured batter. Yeah, the batter. Yes, yeah. So, yes, yeah. I'm a big fan of that, and like, shout out to fucking Rosin Ryan, Diet Funk, and Rafael Dankis. Also, I mean, Garage Grow 420 for my head, T Bezel, Cuban Grower. Just like when batter started coming out, I was, I saw a new consistency like that was coming out and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I didn't know how to do it and it was driving me crazy. It was, I was like, I was like, wow. And um, I would call Cuban. Cuban was making sauce and he was like, he's like, yeah, I've made batter, bro, but the sauce shit is cool. And the sauce was really cool because you're like making diamonds, you know, and the shit was looking really cool. But I was like, man, I want to try to make that. And I ended up cooking so much rosin, man. I would like make rosin, stick it in the oven, cook it too much. Stick rosins, cook it too much. And I'm like, man, I'm tired of cooking this shit. 
I'm fucking it up, dude. Ended up with like a quarter pound of like fucking just unusable rosin that I just decarved. I mean, right. I guess you could have made edibles, but for what I wanted, it wasn't what I wanted. So I started talking to um, For My Head, Garage Grow, and, and Cuban, and also Diet Funk and Rosin Ryan and Wafeo. They, they teamed up and kind of like dropped like almost a tutorial, like on the story. Diet Funk page, he had it. And it was kind of like showing a way to uh, make sauce and jam. So since they kind of like opened and kind of like spread the light on it, I was able to talk to Garage Grow and Former Head and like definitely a couple other people that I'm probably forgetting right now and definitely Cuban. And I just really didn't have like an ego about it. If I saw that you were making something cool, I'd hit you up and say, hey, bro, your shit's super fire. Like, you know, it's, it's like I already knew some information a little bit too of what I thought was going on. So I could like drop some knowledge and like, oh, are you trying this? Are you trying this? And, you know, if they were cool, they would spread knowledge. And like, I do that till this day too, to a certain extent, but I try to send people at least down the right path. Um, but pretty much just kind of like experimenting. And it was a couple of times up there to like 3, 4 a.m. fucking with a jar of rosin, you know, like, like question, like what the hell am I doing, you know? <laughs> but after a while I started getting that batter consistency down. And I kind of just been running with that. You know, I kind of like the way the color is and the consistency of being able to like easily soft, like scoop something. But, you know, I've, I've come to notice that I do a little bit different than what a lot of people are doing. I see like a different final product sometimes. So, you know, I've kind of just been focusing on that and trying to get that down to like a really nice process and stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much what I've been putting all my product into. Right. You know, and then um, I just won't put any 40U into that and I'll separate that for... A lower class product you know right like a b grade if you would yeah and you were talking to me earlier you know we talked about genetics and you talked about some of the earlier ones which was cool and i'm curious like earlier you were telling me like you actually like a lot of what people would consider like the hype strains yeah some of them yeah right? so there's stuff that's i guess gets hyped up you know like just for marketing and stuff like that but you know once you see a couple of the big heads rocking something and like, you know, like I said, Cuban gets like all the intel because he's you know, so big in the game and he knows so many big people and they respect him. So, you know, he, he always sheds night and like knowledge on me. And But a part of it is also like kind of how we came up. So, you know, when I went to his crib and he had some GMO flowers from Harvest Moon, like didn't take very long. Like we, I smoked a joint, like, yo, this is the future. This is going to crush the next three years. There's going to be a bunch of GMO crosses, like, this terp's strong as hell. So, and you know, we're in the beginning phase of that, I guess, like kind of towards like the middle. But you know, just personally, like I like all the new hype shit. I feel like here in Oregon, there's a bunch of dispensaries, there's a bunch of producers, there's a bunch of processors, there's a bunch of Blue Dream, there's Jaeger, there's Mount Hood Magic, there's like a whole bunch of strains that like everybody's rocking. But you go to Cali. And it's Sunday Driver, Papaya, GMO, like all these strains that like making your mouth water, you know? So I feel like there's, there's kind of like a hole in the market for that quality and no one's, no one's going after it, you know? And that's kind of what I like too. There's, there's a lot of fire shit out right now, you know? If you're rocking some old shit, then there's probably like, that's probably been crossed to some shit that's crossed to some shit that's probably fire now in 2019, you know? So, and also seeing, you know, the wave with exotic dropping cookies and cream yielding super high in hash and GMO coming out yielding super high in hash and just kind of like looking like the newer genetics people are kind of getting more in line with higher hash yielding strains with fire turps you know so it's 
kind of just trying to stay above the curve or with it at least, you know. So what for El Dagi is fire in 2019 after, you know, seven years experience or so? I mean, honestly, I can't like I can't recommend more like exotic skier is good. You know, like almost anything you can get from exotic is good. And for me, I'm just trying. I look for terps. I don't care for, for yield too much. You know, obviously it has to make some sense, but you know, everything does not have to yield like 25 plus, 20 plus, you know, I'll deal with something that yields less just if it has the terps. Cause my whole thing is I want to be like an ice cream truck, have an orange, a strawberry, a lime, a lemon, you know, and kind of see what takes off and kind of, you know, have that for me to smoke also. So it's, my seed pack is definitely a lot of like GMO crosses, Cookies and cream crosses, like GMO papaya. So I think that's only seeds for garlic breath. I have some Tropicana across the cookies and cream uh, going right now, Fino hunting those. And, you know, I got a bunch of other seed packs. It's so hard for me to remember all of them, but Seed Junkie, man, I can't believe I forgot him. He makes some fire too. You know, I have the ice cream cake from him. I have a Skittles across the triangle Kush. And um, I think it's cookies and cake across the Cushman's 11. So, you know, he definitely makes some fire. When I got his pack of ice cream cake seeds, it was just like, even the worst one was pretty good, you know? So it was just right. like, definitely like fucking with the newer genetics. And, you know, he was really hype at that time too with the wedding cake. Jungle Boys hyped him up mad and that thing just took off and he started doing crosses. And, you know, he could have dropped the ball, but he's crushing it. So, you know, those are the type of breeders I like to mess with. But it's hard to say because anyone could come out with fire, you know? And right. to each their own, it's all like, you know, preference. It's not like my strain preference is better than yours, but I just like the newer shit, you know, and I try to stay with kind of like the new crosses that are coming out that I know are fire. And it's also flavor, you know? Flavor, trips don't lie. Right. Do you, you know, I don't know how valid this is, but I've heard like an argument of sometimes where like some of these plants that do have these like really cool profiles just don't pack like enough of a punch you know how important is that like the effect to you well it's like starting off with form cut cookies as like a, a kind of like a novice grower i kind of started off with a strain that most people throw away because it doesn't yield that high and we learned how to grow her and get her to yield so that's that's like my whole thing like if she doesn't she doesn't yield like just try to grow her better in a different way and try to get her to yield so you can at least get a good amount of resin per light, you know? I mean, like I said, it has to make sense. There's some tangy crosses that just don't yield shit, bro. The hash will be fire, you know, but it, it, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, you'll get, like, you know, five grams off a pound or something stupid like that, you know? So there's definitely stuff that just doesn't work, period. But, you know, I'm, I'm on the search for stuff that super high flavor like i call it a stains your rig you know if you take a dab of like some tangy and then you try to take a dab of something after and it still tastes like tangy right. those are the terps i'm trying to get you know that kind of like you know smoke someone's shit after mine it's still gonna taste like mine just stains your mouth <laughs> yeah exactly and like you know it just stains the bong water rig water whatever it is dude but like you know strong terps tangy has it gmo has it you know there's a couple of strains that the terps so dominant you can't you know, when they're crossed to something, it's just so apparent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. And, you know, things are popular, I think, for a reason outside of, like you said, marketing, you know, sometimes. But, you know, hype strains, I was saying earlier, like, sometimes I'm, like, like reverse hype. I, like, I, I won't like 
a hype stream because it is hype but yeah. I'll try it and I'm like yeah it's pretty good you know a lot of the OGs are like that you know a lot of like real cool people you know they kind of like stick to their guns and they, and they rock their you know their shit and they're like man that's all hype fuck that you know but um, you know, I'm like, well, what's up with the hype, though? You know, like, right. is is it good? Who's rocking it? Right. Oh, the village is rocking it, bro. The village has some fire, fucking genetics, bro. If he's rocking that shit, Jungle Boys is damn. They have some fire, bro. Why the fuck would they rock that shit? You know, so like, to me, it's just like, all right, bro. When I start seeing a certain amount of people rocking, I'm like, that, that must be good, bro. You right. know, and then people might get bad interpretations of like, a, you know, someone calling a certain cut this cut and then you know that happens a lot in this industry yeah i could see that and you know one thing that i wanted to touch upon before we end is like uh, you guys you and cuban i'm pretty sure uh, were growing the hazes so yeah you mentioned the amnesia you mentioned i think his super silver mm-hmm. and was there any other hazes that you were growing yeah i think he had um we had amnesia haze super silver miami haze and he had another one that we would call BB, but it was um we believe it was a Skywalker. Okay. But man, that was uh that was a pretty cool strain, man. That one he almost entered first. We were we were smoking the dry sift of that one in his house, and um I remember telling him like, bro, how do we know if we're not smoking the best shit in the world right now? Because <laughs> it was like melting so good. Yeah. That was my fault to get entered into like the first awards so when we went to go meet with Kaya and Lem and they were passing the jars around I'm sitting down like all right boys like everyone's gonna vote on it and I'm like all right everyone's gonna say Skywalker like BB and everyone's like the haze the haze I'm like what (laughs) no way dude and then um but you know it it worked bro you know it it placed third and you know it it, maybe the the Skywalker wouldn't have placed at all but you know those are a few hazes and oh he also had um Man, Ozzy had a cut of OG Ghost Train Haze. It's just so fire, bro. It was like Capis, right? And Goat from Goat Organics. Yeah. He had won awards with that, you know? And like we got the cut somehow, bro. Someone gave it to Ozzy and um, like they weren't supposed to, right? And then Goat like found out and was like, oh, he's like, you have the cut or something like that? And he's like, oh, like damn, that cut wasn't supposed to be given out, uh, and like Goat didn't come on like some like mean shit or anything. He was kind of just like explaining him, bro. And Ozzy like went home. He's like, bro, bro, if that's this guy's cut, and he don't want me to have it, fuck it. And he killed it, bro. He killed it. And I was like, no, I was so sad because <laughs> we never found it again. But man, that was one of the best hazes that I remember. It was like one of my favorite hazes. And um, yeah, he brought it up. I think uh, when we talked and. I believe Go won various awards with that Ghost Train Haze, right? And yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was something special for sure. Bro, for him not even to keep it, to like, like even grow it, like personally, he was like, nah, bro, if you don't want me to have it and like, that's his shit and I wasn't supposed to get it and he's won awards with it, like, what the fuck am I going to do? Win an award with his strain? Like, that's so whack. Again, I don't know that there's a lot of people that would have done that, but... Yeah, I could see him doing that. Yeah, I, yeah, he, you know, he, that wasn't his vision. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's not how you wanted to do it. You know, so I respect that. You know, yeah. and it's I hard not too. to. You know, so you know, he wanted to do it on his own without like taking something that someone didn't think he deserved, or you know, like something like that. So, right. you know, I remember that because I was like, man. But you know, it worked out, bro. And sometimes that's how the universe plays out, bro. We weren't supposed to have the cut, so 
that's how it is. Yeah. You know, you seem to have like a lot of appreciation for, I don't know what you call them, your followers, your fans, your, yeah. Can you talk about like how that in any way kind of encourages you to keep doing what you're doing? Yeah. It's, it's probably like the most encouraging thing that pushes me too is, you know, definitely self-fulfillment and purpose, you know, but to see that there's a fan base that, that follows me and, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things in my life and, you know, probably to like mediocre degrees, you know, I've ever been like really, really good at something. And like, I finally feel like I found something that I'm like really good at and like passionate about. And like, I can like devote myself to it and not have a problem with that. And to see that there's people supporting me, you know, cause just, just them clicking like, just them saying a good comment, you know, is, is goes a long way. And it makes me feel like the extras I go to do my process are worth it because they're being seen. And, you know, it's just, you know, motivation. It's hard not to take it as motivation, you know. And I was just pretty much, you know, kind of like a normal consumer prior to growing, you know. So I, I, I remember and always wanted to smoke fire. And when you would get shitty weed, it would suck, you know. So kind of like, kind of relate to them and just appreciate, you know, the opportunity to have and just, you know, just feels great. You know, I feel like I won. So, you know, just like I kind of like, just thank you, you know. It's cool, man. Do you consider yourself a perfectionist? To what reality allows, you know? I mean, I also know that perfection is kind of, it's kind of like the inhibitor of growth, you know? You know, if you're always trying to perfect your product and never putting it out, you know, you, you kind of like will inhibit growth. But yeah, kind of, because I'm, it's hard, but we don't have the innovation that we need to like make stuff like 100% complete, like full melt that just doesn't leave any residue at all. 100% clean that if you look at it, it's like a, like not one anything in there. So it's, I do as best as I can, you know, with what we got. And yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'll put a lot more effort than I think I see a lot more people doing, you know, before I start my process, it's just hours of cleaning. And, you know, once everything's clean and spick and span, then I can start like, doing some sort of process you know so it's definitely a very diligent process where you have to put a lot of effort into just staying sanitized and you can overkill on a lot of things and i kind of probably make my process a little bit longer doing that but you know it's it's kind of what i feel as a standard you know definitely my product by no nature is perfect you know that's, yeah. we're always improving and i'm trying to get it i that is kind of my goal is to make you know like the cleanest bubble hash like that you can possibly even look at with a microscope. But, you know, it's just kind of like trying to get there. And, you know, I probably think I'm going to have to innovate and create something in the future, you know, to kind of get me where I need to go. That's cool. And, I mean, yeah, you know, it's like, I don't even know that perfection really is, like, obtainable, right? Yeah. But it's more like knowing that but still striving for it, you know? The issue with me is, is balance of life, you know, because, like, I want to chase that, like, really, really hard. But I'm putting like 10, 12, 14 hours in a day, you know, and, and like already. And, and I can continue doing that. But at what point do you become the mad scientist? You know, right. just like in there, like trying to chase the unattainable and, and putting all your time and effort into something, you know, and damaging your life and kind of like just, you know, being consumed by something that's like maybe possible, maybe not, you know. So it's a balance. You know, it's hard to really do because um, I've gotten very like one dimensional, like wanting to like go all in on like one aspect and trying to just give it my all. It's hard to do that and, and live like a healthy, like successful life, you know. Right. You know, you can definitely like achieve greatness in like a narrow domain, but you know, you'll pay for it on do the back end. Do you think you'll ever kind of back off a little? Maybe not as 
in the sense of like not, any not time, doing thing thing, but maybe leaving it in other people's hands. Not anytime like soon, you know. I do need to like learn how to do that more often. But I mean, what I'm doing right now just feels so right, and I'm just like consumed in it, and I can't really see myself doing something else. Right. You know, so it's kind of like no, I, I don't, and I enjoy the process. Like I enjoy being there. I enjoy doing the work. I'm, I enjoy making the process better. I enjoy what it does to me as a person, you know, all the downfalls, all the uphills, you know? So it's like, I, I don't see it happening in the future, but you know, maybe one day, you know, I'll probably slow down in a couple of years. Once I get like a little bit older, maybe once my back hurts from fucking <laughs> washing so much hash, you know, unless they create something a little bit better. But man, no, I'm not, I'm not focused on that at all. I'm just, I'm just trying to, trying to be the best right now that I can for the next like three, four years at least, dude. You know, then maybe we'll start even thinking about that, but I have such a hard grind in front of me right now that I'm not trying to like, I just want to obtain as many goals as I can in the process and, and kind of like take strides in my field. I want to win a lot of awards out here in Oregon. Like after seeing what Cuban did, you know, that shit's like so inspiring. You know how many awards you won back to back. And I know that if you have a good technique and good genetics, you can do that. I saw it happen, you know? So I would like to fucking go on my reign now and just kind of just take down as many awards as I can and kind of just feel like I'm accomplished in my field, you know? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, you know, definitely. I wish you the best with that. You <laughs> Thank know? you, bro. Yeah, yeah for sure. my goal. A couple last questions. One, sure. are you smoking anybody else's hash in Oregon? If so, who's? Um, no, I'm not, bro. I What I've done, like, because in between these rounds at this moment, I've pretty much, like, ran out of hash. And, um, you know, like, I washed somebody else's material and kind of, like, had, like, a little hash from there. But, um, you know, I kind of, like, I have to, like, press kind of, like, so, so with rosin, I'll make some rosin and I'll make, like, two presses. And then I kind of, like, throw the chip in a bag, you know. And I had to, like, come back at, like, a hotter temp and, like, press it, like, some food grade type shit. I had been smoking that, you know, and it was, like, something, like, it's kind of realizing to me because, like, I give away a lot of hash for free. It's just kind of like, I want people to try it, you know? Like, if you don't have the money to buy it, let me just give you like a half gram, quarter gram, like something. And, you know, I was giving on like a lot of hash and then like, I didn't have hash. And then like, I was like, yo, nobody, nobody like, with the exception of like one or two people, like came to like, give me some hash and stuff like that. So, you know, it's like humbling and stuff like that to understand this shit. But, you know, it's, I'm fine smoking like food grade and stuff. But, you know, to me, I just, I, I haven't really smoked anybody else's hash other than mine for like the last five years other than the occasional like you know i'll try someone's product or something like that right but it's all single source so you know kind of i don't know maybe i'm biased (laughs) maybe i'm staying in my own little bubble you know yeah you know and that actually kind of maybe makes my next question even more difficult but outside of obviously cuban if you had to choose three people whose hash is memorable to you who would that be I definitely had a good amount of marble. Let me see. It's a good question. Well, for sure, I mean, Brandon, with his Skittles, like, entries and, and oil that, that Cuban had his hands on, I mean, like, that stuff is insane. Man, that's a hard question. I know my boy Garage Grill and For My Head up in Portland, I know they make some fire, definitely make some quality product. You know, this Ross and Ryan, he's fucking kind of like the one that put down the tech and diet funk you know so those boys right there deserve all the clout you know 
But man, it's it's hard to say when I don't smoke that much hash. You know, right. I just see people on Instagram like planet hash and a couple people just like crushing it. You know, and mm, it's hard to be in the position I am and like you know look at stuff like that and, and like like oh they're crushing it, dude. But you know, it's it's I always send positive vibes because you know at the end of the day they're just another you know, hardworking hasher like me trying to make it. You know, and there's enough people out there that so everyone can eat. You know, we don't need to all be into the sports where it's just like just straight tension between each other because we're in the same field, you know? Right. We all go through the same ups and downs and fucking probably lose sleep over the same bullshit, you know? <laughs> I agree. And, you know, like you said, it's just it's such a big market that, like, I don't find it necessary at all, you know? Yeah. It's just like this weird thing where in the cannabis world, like, I think maybe, like, it used to be, like, smaller because of obviously, like, the differences in legality and whatnot. And there was a, maybe a different mentality. Um, yeah, it's, it's competitive nature, you know. Like in, I, definitely, yeah. I definitely understand parts of it, you know. So, and I try really, really hard not to let that become a part of my mentality. Right. Because, you know, just trying to be better than myself every day. You know, I'm not trying to compete with somebody else. You know, I'm trying to just push myself to the next level. And if that gets me to the top, then, you know, then, then everything I've dreamt is valid, you know. It's all happening. So, you know, it's kind of just the journey. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then I'll sink with the shit, bro. But <laughs> if that happens, bro, I, I won't regret it because I'd rather try it and die than not try it at all, you know? Right. I respect that. Yeah. That's cool, man. If you could hear somebody interviewed on the show that you haven't heard from, who would that be? Bro, I would like to hear Garage Girl tell his story, you know? The Garage Girl 420 from, from Washington. It's definitely one of the homies and he's been making some fire hash lately and you know he kind of comes from being an award-winning hash bho maker you know and um you know he's definitely seen ups and downs and stuff like that so i would love to fucking hear his story because he's a cool ass motherfucker you know and it makes some fire and he kind of definitely like you know played part of me fucking growing as a person too and, and like in the field and we looked up to him when we first got there because he was just you know, he was winning awards. He was making fire, you know? So no, I definitely want to hear his story. Cool. Well, again, man, thank you for your time. Good luck with everything. It was nice meeting you. Nice hanging out. Yeah, you too, bro. Yeah, thank you. Well, awesome. thanks to everybody for listening. Again, if you want to follow Danny on social media, on Instagram, it's at Eldagi. That's E-L-D-A-G-G-Y. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Hashish Inn. If you'd like the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. Until next time.